listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 24, Riding Realistic Parents. I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Josiah DeGraff. I'm Hope Ann. And I'm Brandon Miller. And today we're discussing how to write parents realistically in fiction. We all know the stereotypes about parents in fiction, particularly YA. So let's talk about the real deal. What do you guys think are common problems with how parents are depicted in fiction? They're all dead. They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Parents. Oh gosh, they do not exist. That's the main problem. They just don't exist. Them not existing at all is a problem. I'd I'd also say it's a problem when I think often parents become simply obstacles to the protagonist, and they don't really feel like like fleshed out people. Um, and, you know, it's you know I I understand why authors will do this at points, you know, because you know parents who oppose the protagonist and their goals. And it make the story more interesting than the parents who who support it because it creates conflict and conflict makes the story more interesting. But often I feel like parents are, are given the short end of the stick because they're never really fleshed out much beyond that. And so as a result, there are obstacles, but you don't often get as much of a sense on, on what drives them, who are they. It seems like their identity as a parent sometimes supersedes their identity as a person. Yeah, I agree. I've read, I mean, I think about a lot of the characters, the parents that I've read, and it seems like you have your character, and his goal is to get from point A to point B, and you have the parents, and their goal is to get from point B to point A, and they're just in direct conflict with each other. Not interesting conflict, just yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. In a very um, stale, tropish way. I think it would make for a more interesting conflict if you had a character that wants to get from A to B and you had a parents that want to get from like C to D and those two goals clash, but not just because the parents and the kids don't get along because the parents are trying to go somewhere and the kids are trying to go somewhere and they can't they're mutually exclusive yeah and i think also one thing that um books tend to do is the parents are there they're an obstacle but it's almost there just for dramatic effect especially you especially get this with middle grade books where it's like we have to do this and make sure the parents don't find out and so pretty much the whole interaction between parents and children is we need to make sure they don't find out. Eventually, they're going to find out. It's not going to be good. And then we're going to have to go do it anyway. Sort of a deal. And you don't get many healthy relationships of, oh, hey, by the way, this is happening. Oh, good. Okay, here's something that can help you. You know, it's just, there's not even necessarily logical reasons. I mean, I guess there are logical reasons for the parents wanting to stop the children because the children are usually involved in very dangerous things. But it's like... There's no reason beyond that. It's just a, we want to keep you safe and not let you have any fun. And we want to go save the world. And it's just kind of like, that. that is what it is. And there's no deeper than that. And it could be. Yeah. One thing... I mean... Go ahead, Josiah. 
Or I was just going to say, you know, to some extent, you know, it can sometimes make sense that the kids, that that's how they're presented. Because oftentimes we're, we're seeing the parent through a child's eyes. All right. And when you're a child, you know, your parents will off you, you, you often won't understand certain things your parents do. And thus they'll seem like they're just obstacles and they're against you and so on and so forth. Right. And so I think it makes sense why, you know, the parents might be viewed opposition because we're always in the, the mind of the child. You know, I think part of the problem comes when we're, when, when we never get chances or is to get beyond that. And really when the characters never get the chance to, to go beyond that, because certainly in a child's life, they may sometimes view their parents as obstacles, but you know, in, in, you know, if you have, you know, even decent parents, there are also times when parents aren't, obs- you don't just see your parents as obstacles, but also your parents as cheerleaders. Um, which is does not just ha- should not just happen at the end of the story when the protagonist has already succeeded. So I think some of it comes down to seeing one true aspect of how children sometimes view their parents without gaining the full spectrum, or at least perhaps it's it's limited that we only see the negative side in the earlier parts of the book, and the positive sides in the latter half when the parents have realized that their kids are you know always right. Are you suggesting, Josiah, that we write middle grade books where the children don't always know better than the adults? I mean, I know that most of my high school students believe they always know better than their parents and better than me, but I don't know. I might take a bit of offense to that. That's a good point, though. I like the idea of letting having parents that fulfill the cheerleader role in the middle of a story, because that means that they are involved. If they know enough to be cheerleaders in the middle of the story, then they're involved enough to be cheerleaders in the middle of the story. And that creates already a more interesting character than most, especially middle grade parents. And I also think that, you know, while while conflict is always interesting, sometimes the lack of conflict is more interesting. You know, this isn't a you know example of a child parent relationships. But, you know, one of the things I loved in Avengers Endgame is that moment when Tony's trying to figure out if he's going to go out and you know, join something, and he looks to Pepper for advice, and Pepper encourages him to do so, right? You know, oftentimes you know, in that kind of scene in a superhero film, you know, the girlfriend is going to be the one who says, you know, don't don't go out and do this; you're going to risk your life because that creates more conflict, more drama, everything else. But the fact that that key moment she was in support of him. You know, makes it you know, made a lot more of the story that much more meaningful because while conflict is always good, sometimes it's a support that really adds more than you may realize to the story. Especially when you have support for something that's not right. I have a father-son relationship in my current book, and the father is somewhat abusive. I really need to get healthy relationships because all of my father-son relationships are terrible. But um, there's a moment that the son has done something and the father's like praising him and comforting him. And the son is like, but this wasn't what I should have done. This really, I shouldn't have, you know, he's completely guilt ridden for what he's done. And so he kind of is like finally getting what he always wanted, which is his father's praise. But at the same time, it's not for something that he thinks is actually a good thing and so it makes for a really it makes for a much more powerful scene than just to have another scene where someone's upset or where you're having conflict because you get internal conflict instead of external there i love that twist internal conflict can be so much more powerful 
I kind of want to circle around to something Josiah said a minute ago when he was talking about middle grade parents and how middle grade parents sometimes are perceived as just obstacles because children sometimes perceive their parents as just obstacles. While that's true, your readers are more perceptive than the characters in the stories frequently, even if they're of the same age group, just because they're outside of the situation. So you should be able to write, you. your goal should be to write your parent characters in a way that even if the POV perceives them as simply obstacles, your reader able to see and understand their emotions or their, their motivations. Parental motivations aren't the most obscure or difficult to convey. Parents want to see their kids grow up and be successful. They want to love their kids. They want to do what's best for their kids. All of these things can be conveyed through simple actions that the, the reader can understand as positive and necessary and good actions, even though the character will perceive them as obstacles. Mm, that's a good point. We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. I have an exciting announcement today. Story Embers is thrilled to be hosting the Authentic Character Summit April 23rd through 25th. We'll have sessions from keynote speakers like New York Times bestselling author Tosca Lee, founding publisher of Thomas Nelson Fiction Alan Arnold, and other authors. The Authentic Character Summit will teach you to craft characters at a level of depth that will surprise and enthrall readers. Registration is only open through April 18th, so visit storyembers.org summit to learn more and register today. Welcome back, everyone, to our discussion on parents in fiction. Josiah, Hope, and Brandon, now that we've tackled some of the common pitfalls you've seen in parent characters, let's switch to the practical side. What tips do you all have for other authors trying to write realistic parent characters? It comes back to what Brandon was mentioning earlier about parents and children and basically having different goals where they are both going opposite directions. And really a big part to it, I feel like, is you just make parents characters like any other people. Like I get lots of questions or I get various questions about how do you make a good villain? How do you make a good sidekick? How do you make a good this? With all of those, how do you make a good parent? It all goes back to you don't start with them as a, this is a parent, now what should I do? You start with, this is a character let's make them a good character. And then however that relates into their parent role, they are grounded as they are a character. They have this fear and this goal and it's tied to their child, maybe. Maybe it's tied to backstory before and maybe they don't want their child to become like what they became or they saw this and they want to make sure this kid doesn't see it. Whatever happens, it starts with them as a character and really pretty much any type of character, it just boils down to make them a solid, grounded character. And the rest of it kind of falls into place. It doesn't matter whether they start as whether they're going to be a villain or going to be a parent or going to be a brother. You need to know what do they want? What do they fear? What are their goals? What do they love more than their goals? And just go from there. Also, I will say having parents gives you a huge range of emotions that you can play on. Whether it is children wanting the love of parents, 
which may or may not be given, whether they're trying to earn it, whether you have a very loving relationship. I have a friend who has a book with a father-son. Actually, both parents are alive. It's very nice. Um, and there is just such a wide... And there's, it's a very strong relationship between the son and the parents. And you just get so much emotional trauma from that fact because of such, you know... Pe- if one side gets, if one of them gets captured, or if they're being used against each other, or if they have a moment of rebellion or a moment of anger, and you just, when you have a strong relationship, the failings that happen every now and then become so much more powerful, and it's just a lot of fun to work with. Another thing I want to add on to your point of view, just treating them as as people, is you know, if if a character isn't working in a story, you know, and they don't feel like a, a full real person, often one of the problems with them is that they don't really have their own goal. They're just there to, you know, often you know, this comes with side characters when it seems like they just want the same thing as the protagonist, but for no good reason. But but here sometimes often comes with the reverse of well, they're they're the protagonist, not necessarily their own reason. I think part of treating them as people means figure out well what you know, what is it that they really want in life, right? beyond just the whatever the 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 child wants what does a parent want what is a parent trying to achieve you know i think you know exploring what that what that parent wants maybe it doesn't majorly impact the story but it kind of you know flushes out some of the their own characterization at times i think that's something like that can do a lot to really help uh uh, help make them seem like real people when it's clear that they have a life beyond the pages of the story Thanks for joining me, guys, and thanks, listeners, for tuning in. As always, you can learn more about each of the panelists on today's episode at storyambers.org about, and shout out to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clawston and Michael Stanton. Your support means so much as we strive to better guide and inspire Christian storytellers and grow the SC community. Don't forget to visit storyambers.org summit to register for our Authentic Characters Virtual Summit. Registration closes April 18th, and you don't want to miss this. Join me again next time on April 20th as Josiah, Rolina Hatfield, and Deus Lamb tackle the other side of the equation, writing realistic children, on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast.